160 beats per minute, unpredictable beats, and a lightning fast dance to go with it. That's right, we're talking about footwork, an art form created by black youth on Chicago's south and west sides. The song we're listening to is one that Shadon Booby Battle has danced to time and time again. After starting in the footwork scene, Shadon has gone on to become a professor of critical ethnic and black studies at Xavier University in Ohio. Today, she ties together her scholarship, her artistic practice, and her community work. Now she's been named as Artist as Instigator at the National Public Housing Museum right here in Chicago. Through that artist residency, she'll be examining the connections between footwork and public housing policy, the pressures of structural racism, and Chicago's long-standing segregation. And she's here with us now to talk about her project, the history of footwork, and her own relationship with dance. Welcome, Shadon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want you to take me back. How did you get started in the footwork scene? Well, my origin story, I've got like three uh, sort of related origin stories. Let's hear them all. Okay. So um, I grew up in Chatham, and I would, uh, by the time I was in sixth, seventh grade, I was allowed to go to the Ring Fitness Factory, and footwork was just vibrant there. It was like, I always call it like an incantatory dance. It summons you, right? And so um, I I saw it. I saw it performed, especially uh, Sundays, 9 to 1 on the big floor, and it was just something I wanted to do. Right. And then uh, she's actually my god sister now. My mom adopted her and she was actually sort of uh, a year younger than me, but really immersed in the culture already. Right. Um, As a year younger than me. And then she would come over my house and she would teach me dances. Her name is Joanna. And my mom eventually uh, adopted her. And so she I think she's really like instrumental in uh, my one of my origin stories. And then the the third one, I think, would be uh, I'm, I'm outside in front of my house footworking. And quite literally, a U-Haul pulls up and a guy comes out and he's a little bit older than me. Four years, I will find out. And he uh, jumps out the U-Haul and he comes up to me and my cousin like, hey, you know what, what y'all doing? Y'all know how to footwork. And we were just learning. And so after that, he started teaching me. And, and little did I know that he was like one of the heavy hitters in that particular generation. And so he became like my brother, right? My neighbor. And what's we his name? Bernard. Bernard Corley. Yep, yep, yep. And um, so I started learning from Bernard, started, you know, training with him, or we call training sort of labbing. And uh, a lot of the heavy hitters would come to his house and teach him. And little did I know, I was sort of also embodying their moves, right? And some, so I had the blueprint of, of his moves as well as theirs. And so, yeah. All right. I always get to talk to another Chatham girl. Yes. <laughs> and the rink on 87. Yes. Where would you footwork? In high school, where would you go around? Was it? Yes, 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 yes. So uh, I did footwork a little bit in high school. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I started high school, I think in in, in 99. And by that time I was, I was getting pretty good in high school, but I would footwork at like all, everywhere where, where footwork was sort of cultivated and incubated in the second generation. So we're talking about 97 to 2004. So the Union Hall, uh, you know, Southside Prep. Um, of course, the rink. I wasn't allowed to go to the route, which I'm, I'm still kind of upset about. Uh, suburban parties, right? The Dalton Expo, right? And so places like that. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Whitney Young, and then I ended up graduating from Morgan Park. Ah, I went to Morgan Park, too. Hey. All right. Uh, what pushed you to start cataloging the history of Chicago footwork? 
Good question. So I was uh, finished my dissertation and my dissertation, my, one of my, my third areas is hip hop. And, you know, I published a few things uh, from the dissertation and my um, advisor slash mentor at the time was just like, you know, and this is someone who's published 15 books. And she's like, why haven't you published more? And I'm like, I'm just tired of it. I've got PTSD from it. She's like, well, you need to do something that you're passionate about. And I pulled up a video of Chicago footwork and she said, do this. And I'm like, it's actually a dearth of scholarship on it. And she was like, that's perfect. And that was about 2017, 2018. And so I immediately hit the ground running. Like I've got to write a book about Chicago footwork. I'm going to write a book. Then I need to um, interview people. I need to go and, you know, uh, actually talk to the sources. And if I'm going to do that, I need a film crew. If I'm going to hire a film crew, I may as well create a bigger platform for Chicago Footwork and uh, create a film. And the film turned into a five-part docuseries. As you were collecting these histories, was there anything that surprised you, even as someone who was entrenched in the culture? Um, I think what surprised me was that, like, at the time, I didn't really understand. Like, like I was just participating in the culture as someone who loved it. Right. As you know, it was like I was operating in a vacuum and I wasn't necessarily cognizant of like the historical context of the culture and like some of the sort of uh, political connections to a lot of things that were happening in the city, socioeconomic, political connections. And so I think those things surprised me because for me, it was like a world away from the scholarship that I was doing. But now I realize that it becomes the thing through which I I examine, right, all of the, you know, material realities of, of black people in the city. So I think that was like the most surprising. And also to you know, be perceived as an outsider, right? By the time I came back to Chicago Footwork, you know, some of the youth who were not able to, you know, say, hey, okay, I saw you in your prime, right? You were a menace in the circle because we didn't have that, you know, social media documentation. So I had to sort of be somewhat ingratiating. Like I had to come back humble, right? At first I came back like, yo, y'all need to respect me. Like, I, you know, I handle my business in the circle. And then um, I realized that I, I represent the elite. Right. Just by the sheer fact that, you know, I have a Ph.D., I'm a professor, even though I grew up in this culture. And so that was a learning curve. Right. Just to acknowledge myself as someone who's both insider and outsider. And how did you gain that trust? Um, just, you know, coming around, it helped to have people like DJ Clint, you were just playing his, his track and people who saw the sort of havoc that my crew and I, you know, would wreak inside of the circle. So it helped to have, you know, those kinds of authentic, uh, narratives associated with, you know, my, my particular history, my individual history, but also just like coming around and not just filming and doing interviews, but also doing events that they saw was sort of like bringing the community together. You're the fifth artist as instigator that the National Public Housing Museum has had. Mm -hmm. Tell us about what it means to be an artist as instigator and what you are instigating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I was really drawn to this particular residency because um, it allowed me to sort of combine both of the worlds that I live in. Right. So art and not just two worlds, but um, art and, and culture and history and public policy. Right. So it's unique in that particular nature. And so I don't have to sort of um, divide or, you know, bifurcate my identity in any kind of way. Right. So like uh, the work that I'm doing, the the art activism work that I'm doing is is uniquely situated uh, through this project. And so I really just want to examine or use Chicago footwork to examine Chicago's thick history of housing injustice, racial segregation, you know, by design and, uh, you know, what Coates called this kleptocracy. Right. Uh, that um, that is Chicago. 
many people describe the circle as a place of escape. Yes. So let's take a listen from your sizzle reel for the documentary. Okay. Meaning you'll have some heavy hitters in the circle and they'll come in and you'll have the whole speaker rocking with full workers. There's no worries. Whatever's going on in life, ain't in the circle, it ain't there. <laughs> what kind of space of resistance do you think footwork creates for people? Yeah, I think that, um, so I've been defining it as this like vernacular embodied language of resistance. It allows us to talk back to state powers, to talk back to, to have like everyday, you know, just mundane conversations with one another, right? So it, it affords us sort of, uh, it's, you know, visibility and legibility, right, within our culture where a lot of black youth in Chicago experience multiple forms of negation, right? Like, like they're not seen or they're, you know, or they're seen through all of these myths as animals, as menaces, right? And so it gives Chicago footwork youth a sense of, of visibility and importance, but it's also transcendent, right? And so a lot of folks would say, hey, when I get in that circle, right, it allows my body to sort of move in ways that, uh, you know, that's not possible outside of the circle, right? And so it's also a spiritual transcendence. Some people would say, you know, one guy, uh, Prince Jaron says, um, this is a quote I often use, when I get in a circle, I just go somewhere and I don't know where, and it's a, it's a spiritual thing. And he actually created something called a footwork Bible, right, to sort of um, uh uh, give voice to that particular experience. Um, What's in a footwork Bible? So the footwork Bible is a number of different pages, but it's like the 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 foundations of Chicago footwork moves. So one page might be like the foundational moves. Another page might be like directions and height changes. And, and he describes like the body as a pillar, uh, quite literally. Uh, and But it's not like a, a, a print text, right? It's something that it's performed. It's something that you actually have to be in community with one another to to learn and it elevates your dance. You mentioned that there are five generations yep. of footwork. What are those different? What are the differences in those generations? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, I think different people periodize the generations like in, in different ways. So that's like a point of contention in the culture. But uh, just from talking to different people, it made sense for me to say, all right, episode. So, the, so I'm doing a film as well. So five generations of the film correspond to the five episodes of the of the docu series. Um, but the the so the first generation I would say is the embryo, right? So generation that's zero and one, and that that's ninety nineteen. 1985 to 1990 I call that the embryo but then there's also under generation one 1990 to 1997 that's we call that blind faith um, and I can go back and, and, and explain like so what's happening in those generations as well uh, the third gener the second generation is um, the turning point that's 1997 to 19 to uh, 2004 that's where I come into the culture uh, the third generation is 2005 to 2012 that's the digital era but that's also the era of battle clicks the emergence of battle clicks right they sort of metastasized like crazy in that era and then episode four would be 2012 to 2009 or generation four i'm sorry and that's rebellion the birth of the global and drill music is important to that what that culture became that particular uh era of the culture became and then i think here we are now it's like 2019 into the present right and um it's it's a huge evolution i think that you know the the residency sort of marks the evolution of the culture from this sort of sublime art form Right. From the 1980s to this, like, really, it's still like really a sublime art form of expression, but it's also being intentionally wielded to give voice to right um, black youth and, and their social realities. 
This is Reset. I'm Natalie Moore in for Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking to the newest artist resident at Chicago's National Public Housing Museum, Shadon Booby Battle. I love that your last name is Battle. How fitting is that? <laughs> yeah. Her project this year will focus on the power of footwork dance and how it can be used to combat the issues people face in public housing. You've also talked about how the closed-in space of public housing affects what uh, footwork. Mm-hmm. So let's take mm-hmm. a listen to an interview you did with footworker uh, DJ Sir Timo. Okay. When you look at the project buildings, when you look at the row houses, it's house on house on house on house on house. We boxed in in the hood. It's closed in. That's the intimate, the intimate part. It's very intense. All of the energy is focused right in here. It's like the eye of the storm, like a tornado. We're doing all this. The whole round. What is the relationship that footwork has to public housing? Yeah, so Chicago footwork, what I began to realize is that you cannot have the conversation about Chicago footwork without talking about um, the low end, the Ida B. Wells and public housing structures that are no longer standing, right? So Chicago footwork was incubated in those structures, uh, or well, um, one particular generation at least, right? And it was instrumental in like just revolutionizing not just the music and the dance, but it became an actual culture and just splintered throughout the city on both sides of the city, right? And we're talking about the ghetto house era of Chicago footwork. So um, the 90s, right? Uh, through to um, maybe like 2005-ish when, you know, most of the buildings were down by then. But uh, the like DJ Clint talks about how he would use the cinder block walls of the Ida B. Wells and he would change the sounds of the bass and he would change the sounds of the claps, right? Really just sort of revolutionizing the music, right, um, which had transitioned from house into ghetto house music. So that's one particular uh, uh, way that Chicago footwork sort of interfaces with that history of public housing. But then also the destruction of public housing housing structures um, was really instrumental in, in how it shaped Chicago footwork because the displaced residents. So it wasn't, wasn't just a loss of like material space and infrastructure. Right. So that meant also the loss of social networks, the loss of culture. Um, and but also it meant like, you know, an uptick in gang violence. Right. We, so we know that narrative. And that meant that youth who were displaced were looking for different social affinities to be a part of. They were looking for they you know, they were also full of more aggression because they had lost their networks, their families, their you know, their social structures. One particular group was housed in uh, the public housing structures phase two, right? So they disband and we see this sort of loss of culture and, and the loss of dance groups and the creation of battle cultures, which didn't, you know, they didn't have formal spaces of, of belonging. They would f- battle against each other in, in the middle of public streets, right? And so, um, yeah, it really changed what Chicago footwork became, right, from the second generation to the third generation. By 2005, it was something totally different from the 90s. In your residency, do you plan to, I mean, I know you have the, the, the documentary sure, um, and the histories that you've been doing, but is there anything else that you want to create out of this by the end of your residency? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, uh, and I'm, I'm doing the, the residency through, like, youth of, of the culture, right? And I think that they understand, like, okay, when I walk through Inglewood, I see boarded up houses, you know, um, multiple family generations, we're packed inside of our houses, My, our families don't have 
wealth, right? And so, like, the trajectory of our lives are much different from, you know, a lot of the kids at Lane Tech up north, et cetera. And so I want them to sort of, like, I want to heighten their consciousness. I want to give them the language to understand a lot of their, you know, their living conditions, their lived realities, right? And and so that's one thing, right? I want to give them a language through Chicago footwork to be able to say, hey, this is why my life looks the way that it that it looks, right? Um, but, uh, and, and I want to be able to historicize that for them, but I also want to, you know, um, makes Chicago footwork a vehicle through which we can begin to talk about um, policy transformation as well, right? So one of the things that I want to examine um, is not just the dispossession and the theft of, of home, place, and space, right? But I also want to talk about the violation of space, right? And so we, if we think about what happened to Fred Hampton and what happened to Anjanette Young, just the, you know, not just, you know, police barging in people's homes or shooting bullets through people's home, but it's also the, the, the denial of bodily, black bodily autonomy. And um, so I want them to be able to examine that history as well. And perhaps that might lead us to having, uh, you know, more robust conversations about Anjanette Young's ordinance and passing, you know, that particular ordinance so that we can redress the issue of no-knock warrants. So that, that's one particular example. Is the documentary series out? Can people find it? It is not. It is a, a work in progress still. And uh, we're anticipating maybe like uh, the end of 24, early 25. We're waiting on funding and we're a skeletal team. Right. And so but this project is is unique in that uh, the fifth generation, um, that particular episode, the fifth episode is going to comprise a lot of the work that we're doing right with uh, the residency. So. I'm kind of trying to work smarter and harder. Yeah. I'm looking at your sweatshirt, and it's it's a it's a black sweatshirt with the yes. skyline of Chicago, and it says "Footwork saved my life." What does that mean? Yeah, so it it uh, for me, you know, um, I had sports and and I had a really stable family, but that's not the the narrative for a lot of the the youth who come from Chicago footwork culture. Um, I can think about like if a lot of the first generation narratives where they, you know, they're thinking through mass incarceration, right, and just the destruction of black families, and for them, footwork became this sort of pseudo family structure for them, um, uh, and and a lot of other generations, right. So so a lot of the footworkers, right, in one of the clips in the documentary, Quinn Crystal says, like, I, I literally slept, ate, and sh- shat footwork, right? Uh-huh. And so it becomes the thing that gives them purpose. It becomes, right, this, this, thing's, uh, this thing that allows them to express themselves when normative modes of expression aren't you know, available. Um, and so it's, I, I think it's life-saving in a number of different ways. It allows them to sort of redress the dehumanizing, the dehumanizing like structures and practices that they experience. And, um, it, you know, it just renders them visible to, to one another. So I think there are a number of different ways to think of Chicago footwork as literally keeping kids off the street, creating community amongst like, you know, black youth, even though there's like, you know, the footwork circle, that's actually war, right? But uh, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a com- it's a communal um, dance, right, of, of, of artistic expression and resistance, I would argue. Where are youth footworking in this generation? Oh, you want to go out this weekend. Where where yes. would they be? So there's actually a, a, a footwork event this weekend I just saw, and it's going to take place on, on 87th Street, 87th and State, at one of the uh, the dance studios uh, that's owned by uh, a guy uh, who runs a company, Astronaut Fleet, and, and the, the group uh, Goon Squad. And so there, there's a battle there. So what you'll see now today is sort of like isolated events that sort of feature Chicago footwork battles, right? And so... 
Um, uh, I'd have to figure out, oh, there was just an event uh, uh, two or three days ago called The Cage. And so I think a lot of the leaders now are just throwing events. They're finding the funding to, to be able to say, hey, here's a pot of money. You compete against one another. And that sort of incentivizes youth to, to continue to do it as well because, you know, they're finding a way to sustain themselves, right, um, uh, materially through through Chicago footwork. And so, yeah, just isolated events, uh um, you can, there's a number of different Instagram pages that I can send, you know, to, um, to create some more exposure around where to find Chicago footwork, but it's really an underground community, right? Um, but it's also a mainstream community as well, right? So it's all over the world. Like, like that particular group just traveled to LA not long ago, they're dancing in Red Bull. So it's still, it's mainstream, but it's also still really this sort of underground. So I like to call it like the manhole, like the invisible man. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that this, this the underground culture does have a, yeah. a global reach. Yeah, yeah. I've been talking to Shadon Booby Battle, the newest artist resident at Chicago's National Public Housing Museum, talking about her project centered around Chicago Footwork. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me.